Amen. Boy, you were singing well this morning. It's a blessing to be with you and worshiping our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning. So glad that you're here with us today at Arise Baptist Church, and we're glad to have some guests joining us from out of town, some folks in for the uh, special week that we're looking forward to together, and uh, we're glad that you've chosen to be with us today. It's always good to have David and Adriana with us here, and we're thankful for what the Lord's doing with them as they work to start the New Life Baptist Church just a little ways down the road. We're excited to be a part of helping with them, and, and uh, they're going to hopefully be able to join us as well tonight, and we're looking forward to a special time of praise and thanksgiving this evening at 5 o'clock. So hope that you can come and be a part of it. I keep hearing reports. I know the food is going to be good, and uh, I know that the singing will be good. We're going to have some great scripture readings as well. And I'm really looking forward to the testimony time. And I hope that you've taken some time to think of some things that you can praise the Lord for and thank Him for, because we have so much to thank Him for. We've sung about that this morning, and we've talked about it this morning, and uh, we'll think about it even some more today. But uh, it's, it's such an important thing that we always be focused on what we have to be thankful for. When we're unthankful, it's kind of a, really a statement of pride, isn't it? That we're saying, well, I, you know, I, I deserve this, or somehow... Um, I needed this, and, I, and somebody just gave it to me, and I'm not thankful for it, and I'm thankful for this time that we have. We're going to dismiss our boys and girls out now for their junior church with Brother Josh and Sister Anna, <clears throat> and uh, they had a special surprise this weekend. Anna's mom got to come back for a quick visit, and we're glad that she's here with us today. They're scooting out of here right after the service today to get her to the airport. She's flying home, so make sure you get your children from junior church today because you wouldn't want to make a lady miss her flight. That would be rough, and uh, we're glad that you're here today as well. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Nehemiah. Turn to the book of Nehemiah with me. Nehemiah chapter 12. We are coming close to the end of our study in the book of Nehemiah, and I have really enjoyed our time together in this book. I'm really looking forward to some things that I'm studying and preparing on for uh, this next year as we're looking into what the Lord will have for us as we continue to study God's Word together and Lord willing to grow thereby as we continue to take God's Word and apply it to our hearts. It's one thing to study it and fill our heads up with it. It's another thing entirely then to go out and live it. And uh, the Bible speaks a lot about it, that it's not just there for us to puff ourselves up with knowledge about it, but that we need to take what we know as we've studied to show ourselves approved unto God and then go out and live it faithfully for the Lord, and that we would be faithful to follow in obedience what He tells us to do. As we come to the close, we're not quite there in Nehemiah, but as we're getting closer to it, at the end of chapter 12, this is really kind of the end of this special service of dedication that the people had to dedicate all the work that God had helped them to do as they completed the building of the wall around the city. Of course, as you know from our time together that not only did they complete the wall, but God has brought great spiritual revival in the land of Israel as the people have once again come back to the Word of God, as they've listened to the Bible, as they've then begun to apply God's Word in their lives. They've begun to reinstate their uh, obedience to the Lord when it comes to the sacrificial system that they had not followed for many years, especially in some of the specific areas. They had also not been following the Lord in the area of one of the feasts, the Feast of the Tabernacle. So they came back to obedience in that as well. And so this is really the tail end of this 
great celebration. But we see Nehemiah who throughout the book has done many wonderful things to organize and to put things together as he really helps them, I think, to keep on, keep up the good work, right? They had a lot to praise God for. They were thankful for what God had done. And now he was putting some things in place to help the people going forward to continue on in the things that God had been doing in their lives. I think this is very important for us as we consider even our own spiritual walk and even the place that our church is in as God continues to bless and to grow things here. Because like anybody or any situation, we all go through times of, of great excitement and great joy, and then we all go through times of difficulty and discouragement. Sometimes things just seem to all be coming together. I talked to somebody earlier this week. They said, it just feels like everything's coming together. And maybe that's how you feel sometimes, but maybe some of you this morning feel like, I don't feel like anything's coming together. It seems to be going the opposite direction and falling apart. And in the Christian life, we can sometimes go through these kind of struggles where we have these really high, wonderful moments as we feel very close to God, and that's where these people are at right now. But then we can also face times in our life where things aren't as easy. I'm not as happy. I don't have as much joy. Things aren't going like I expect them to go. Circumstances change. But while circumstances change, we serve a God who never changes. So if God never changes, but we do face circumstances that do change, how can we as believers live a more consistent, faithful Christian life? We can't take ourselves out of every circumstance that we face. We can't take away every difficulty and every struggle in life. But I believe if we learn to walk in close fellowship with our Lord, that He can help us through some of those low times in life to help us keep up the good work that He has for us. So there's just four verses this morning that we're going to look at in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44 through 47. I spent a lot of time reading these and thinking over these because at first glance, when we read through it, you may think, well, this seems like verses we just want to read through so we can get to the next chapter. But the more I read these and thought about these, the more I realized there's some great truth right here in these verses to help us right here where we're living right now. And isn't that important, really, with any area of Scripture? I mean, the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So I don't like to have throwaway verses. I don't know about you, but I, I like to be able to look at every portion of Scripture and say, God, what do you have for us from this passage of Scripture? So let's read them together. I'll read out loud. You follow along. Nehemiah 12, beginning in verse 44. And at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes, to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. And both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the purification, according to the commandment of David and of Solomon his son. 
For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion. And they sanctified holy things unto the Levites, and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. So the people have just finished this wonderful celebration. They've had this great dedication. We talked about it last Sunday as they split into two groups and they marched around the wall. One group went one direction, the other the other way. They were walking on top of the wall. They were singing praises to the Lord. They were blowing trumpets. They were excited because of all that God had done. They were making a great statement saying, look at what God did here to bring this to, to be, to bring this to fruition. And now, Nehemiah then, it says, he appoints over the chambers for the treasures, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes. Back a couple of chapters in Nehemiah chapter 10, we read of how the people of God made promises to bring money and provisions to the temple so that the work of God could go forward. Some said that they would bring the wood for the sacrifices. Others said that they would bring food so that they could feed the priests and the Levites. All of the people dedicated themselves to bring a third of a talent as their offering to the Lord, their financial gift to the Lord. And they were going to use these resources to carry on the work of the Lord. But it's interesting as in chapter 10, the people are very excited. They're committing big things to the Lord. God, we're going to do this. It's like they sign their commitment cards. We'll, we'll do this. We'll do what God wants us to do. But now Nehemiah is putting some organization in place to actually help the people and assist the people in keeping their promises to God. He's trying to help the people here keep on and being faithful to what they have committed to God that they will do. Because there's only, I would say, good energy and excitement will only take you so far in life. Because I don't know about you, I'm at least, I'm not very old, but I'm at least old enough I get tired. Some of you are older and you're probably more tired, I understand. That's what seems to be one of the things. As we get older, we just find ourselves getting more tired. I was talking with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law last night, I said, you know, it's great to every once in a while get a full night's sleep when the babies don't wake up in the middle of the night. See, we only thought we were tired when we were in college, and we were staying up and pulling all-nighters so we could pass the test. And then you have kids, and you learn what tired is. And I think there's another level of tired beyond that, because I look out here this morning, and I see some people <laughs> that kind of look tired. I don't know. But sometimes I think it's this way when it comes to spiritual things. We want this good excitement and praise, and, and energy, and all these wonderful things. And that does come as we come together for special times, as we worship the Lord. We ought to have that, I think, as we come to worship God on Sundays. We, we hope we'll have that tonight as we have a praise and thanksgiving service. But living faithfully throughout the week, living faithfully month to month and year to year, can become very challenging over time. And if you've lived life for any period of time, you know that Yes, you may put your happy face on to come to church on Sunday, but the rest of the week, it's not always that, that's not always the reality. And in fact, sometimes you are just putting on to try to make it look good when you're around other people. But inside, it doesn't feel this way. 
So Nehemiah here is bringing some organization to the work of the Lord. He's appointing people over the chambers for the treasures because the people had made great promises to God and now he's going to help them be faithful to carry out those promises. If you go back to chapter 10, and I'll just tell you, you don't have to look at it right now, verses 32 to 39, it talks about how the people were going to bring all of these things to the temple. But think about your average Israelite back in these days. There were people living on farms and, and they had various ways of raising crops and animals and things out in the surrounding areas around Jerusalem. And I've never worked on a farm, but I've talked to lots of people who have. Most farmers I know get up before the sun and they work hard all day. And when it, the sun goes down, they're pretty tired and ready to go to bed. Where in there are they supposed to gather up all their goods and bring them to the temple? I think practically speaking, this is why we have some of this organization that Nehemiah is putting in place. He's appointed people as, as over the chambers for the treasures. Notice why they're there at the end of verse 44. He says, to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law for the priests and Levites. So he puts some organization in place. He appoints some people to go out and to collect and to pick up what the people had promised to give to God. I think it's very interesting because initially the people make promises. We're just going to bring it. We're going to give it. But then reality sets in, right? I don't think I can get there today. Well, if you can't get there today and bring your load of food, then how are the priests and Levites going to eat? Right? There's some practical nature to this. And so Nehemiah appoints some people to say, we're going to go out, we're going to gather the things that, you've already, that you're giving to the Lord, and we're going to bring them to the temple. I think as we think about carrying on or keeping up the good work and continuing in faithfulness in our own personal lives, and even as a church, we, we see from this passage that organization is important to carry on the work of the Lord. For example, you may make a commitment to God to say, I'm going to spend this amount of time studying my Bible every day. I'm going to spend time in prayer every day. I'm going to try to share the gospel with people that I come into contact with. That, that's a great commitment. And a commitment I think we all should think about making to the Lord. And yet the reality of keeping that commitment often means that we have to put some organization into our day. You understand this. If you have any sort of responsibility at all in your life, you know that you work better when you have a plan, you have an or, you're organized, and you know what you're trying to accomplish. Otherwise, you end up running here, there, and everywhere, and nothing gets done very well. There's only so far you can go just on excitement and good energy. So Nehemiah is putting this organization in place. I think we see organization for efficiency in the work. It made, us, made sense for him to send people out to gather up the offerings and bring them in rather than for the people always to have to make a separate trip on a daily basis to bring in all of these various things. They were bringing in wood for the sacrifices, food for the priests and Levites, grain to eat and for the offerings in the temple, money to pay workers in the house of God. So Nehemiah appoints these people to bring these gifts in. This was about helping people to actually be able to fulfill their commitments to the Lord. I think about this, it even happens practically not just personally, but even in a church. We've organized, for example, 
meals to help somebody who is sick. Well, it's nice to have a sign-up list so not everybody takes meals on the same day. Or some people have brought meals to the church and they've been delivered from here because it's closer for somebody, more efficient to do it that way. We, we try to have a bit of organization when it comes to things, not because organization is king, but rather the organization is there to serve or to minister better so that we can better care for the work that God has given us to do. This is a really teeny tiny way, but something we do every Sunday morning. At the end of the service, we will pass an offering plate. In other words, we're not going to make you get up out of your chair and walk back and put your offering somewhere else. Somebody's going to come to you and pass a plate down the aisle. So all you have to do is deposit it right there. We're making it more efficient and easier rather than everybody walking up to the same place. Again, there could be many ways to doing that. I'm not saying there is a biblical reason why we have to pass an offering plate. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, when it comes to ministry, there often comes a level of organization that's required to carry on the work that needs to be done. We see organization even in our ministry today as people are organizing various ministries, various activities. I'm so thankful for many who have helped to serve in many ways. We had for example, this past Thursday night, a great time with a bunch of the men as we enjoyed good food, good fellowship, and even the Texans won, which, you know, that, that's just like a bonus. But I'm so thankful for the people that came and served to put that on so that the food was prepared. There was something to eat. There were things to do. There was a wonderful Bible message as we heard the gospel presented. That was a wonderful time, and I'm thankful for that. That requires some organization. Someone was appointed maybe whether he wanted to or not, but James did a great job with that in helping with that. A few weeks ago, we had a wonderful couples night as a bunch of the couples went out and had dinner together, and Josh and Anna organized that and put it on. That's a blessing. They were appointed, if you will, or they volunteered. They said, we'd like to do this, help with this, whatever, and this came to be. There's organization. There'll be organization that happens tonight. It's already been happening for weeks just so we can have a big meal that we share together. Because, you know, I like, I don't know, I like mashed potatoes, but if everybody brought mashed potatoes tonight, we'd, some of you would probably go home a little bit disappointed. I understand. So there's organization to that. There's even organization when it comes to planning and putting things together in the church, even like putting a budget together, or putting plans together, what we're going to do, where we're going to go. There's organization for efficiency, and there's organization, I think, then, helps to increase the effectiveness of the work. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the people that God allows us to minister to. But I think as we continue forward, thinking of ways that we can minister to more people requires more people serving, more people involved, requires more communication, requires more people all giving their own special unique gifts. See, I, I enjoy my job on Sunday mornings because I get to stand up here and look at all of you. I never get bored. Some of you probably get bored just looking at me on Sunday mornings. I understand. But when I get to look at you as I'm even speaking to you this morning, I'm thinking about different ones of you and how and the part that you play in the ministry here at Arise Baptist Church, and it's a huge blessing. Because I look around and just about every single person in this room means something personally to me because of something they've done or given or been a part of or helped with, whether it's using their hands to do something, whether it's using their mouth to communicate something, whether it's using their gifts to, 
to give something, whether it's just going and being with somebody, just your presence is an encouragement that you're there to help in time of need or somebody that I can call or somebody that I can ask a question to or somebody that I can just get alongside of and serve. I like to serve with other people. And I'm thankful for the people God has brought together to do this work. But I believe as we continue to go forward, even as a church, we have to look at things and say, how can we better put our work to good use for efficiency and effectiveness for the work of the Lord? Here's the problem in a lot of ministry, and I think the order is right here in Nehemiah's uh, situation. They took what God was already doing and said, how can we remove our own selfishness and our own issues and our own lack of abilities out of the way by having a better plan, being better organized, so that we can better continue on to be faithful at the work of the Lord. I think there's a danger, though, to organization as well. Sometimes we can be so organized that no actual ministry goes forward because people are doing it not out of the right heart to serve the Lord, but rather for their own selfish reasons, just because they love their organization more than they love the Lord that they're serving with their organization. Do you know what I'm talking about? And in fact, you'll have to stay with me through next Sunday to get to this, but you'll actually see by next Sunday how the people in chapter 13, they failed miserably. So I want you to understand, organization is not the answer to all of the ills and all of the problems in this world. We can get so caught up in an organization that we think, well, we just have to be more organized and that'll fix it. I have to let you in on a secret that you probably already know. We have a bigger problem than a lack of organization. It's called sin. And when you get to chapter 13, you see how the leadership, one of the priests, allows sin in. He's, commit, he's doing wrong. And because of this, it doesn't matter how much organization you have, it all breaks down. So you've got to understand it in the right order here. I get that. So I'm not challenging us this morning. We just need to be more organized. Because that would be a really terrible and a boring message. I understand. What I'm saying is, is that as God's people are doing God's work to continue in faithfulness to keep it up, it does require a level of organization. So that's a good communication. We know who's responsible for what. And we can better minister to people. It's very interesting to note then, as they did this, look at verse 44 again. It says at the end of the verse, For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. See, I believe here at the end of the verse, we see some motivation for why this organization was taking place. The people were so excited about the work that God was doing, they wanted to give so much to the Lord that Nehemiah said, we need help to organize all of this giving. There's so much giving coming in. We need help to do this. They were rejoicing over the priests and the Levites that waited. In other words, they were thankful for the spiritual leadership that they had. And they said, those people are helping us follow God. We want to continue to give to God. And so Nehemiah says, in order to make that process work like it should, we need the proper organization in place. This comes back to stewardship, doesn't it? To whom much is given, the Bible says, much shall be required. God has blessed this church. God has blessed this church with tremendous people. 
I've been in a few churches in my life, and for a church our size, I don't know of any other church that I've ever been around that has this diverse a group of talents and abilities in one place for a church this size. Now, I know there's churches that are much bigger than us that can do lots of big things, and that's wonderful. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just saying I believe God has uniquely blessed this body. Because of that, I think we have a very important and, and special responsibility to steward those gifts that God has given us, whether it's helping to start another church, whether it's ministering to somebody like, I, I had a wonderful time talking with Katie Spencer this week, who's just going through this struggle right now with her cancer treatment. She had a praise. Uh, one of the tumors is completely gone. That was a blessing. But keep praying. Some are still not shrunken small enough where they can do surgery yet, so they're going to continue on some treatments. I'm thankful that even as a church we can minister and, and really be praying for Ruth, by the way. She's been sick for a couple weeks. Ruth never misses, but she's missed the last couple weeks because she's sick. She sounds like me, only worse. Pray for her. If you think about it, maybe even drop by and see her. Drop her a note. Encourage her. We have others that are going through things like that. But that requires a level of, yes, care and desire to minister. But then it requires people with lots of varied talents to help be an encouragement as they can. I'm thankful for the unique gifts that God has placed in our church. But I believe as we continue to go forward, serving the Lord as we should, it requires that we have a level of organization as people step up and lead in various areas. And I'm thankful for people that are already doing that. Right now, this morning, there are a bunch of babies being cared for right next door here because a number of ladies in our church got together and organized a nursery. It's not a perfect nursery, but it's a place where boys and girls are loved and cared for and taught about Jesus. That's a blessing. That requires organization. I'm thankful just this way, a, a, a few rooms, there's, I don't know, 25 or 30 children gathered being taught from God's Word. Josh and Anna put a lot of work in that. There's organization that goes into that to make that happen. Why? Because we want to be able to minister to more people more effectively. I'm thankful for so many that meet in our church on a regular basis, many of them even weekly, to study God's Word together one-on-one. -on -one. That's a special thing. It's an encouraging thing, but it requires a, a little bit of organization. I think we need even a little more organization with that because we have more people that want to be a part of it and not enough organization to be able to put it all together. We've got some things we need to work on. As I was reading this, I was relating with Nehemiah a little bit this week and thinking, I need to do this. I don't know if I'm as good at Nehemiah as the, at these things, but we need to work. We need to take steps in these ways, not because we worship organization, but because we want to better be able to minister to people as we worship God. You'll see a cycle taking place in chapter 12 and then in chapter 13. As God blessed the people and the people gave and the ministers led the people in worship to God, God blessed the people. The people gave and the ministers led the people in worship of God. And God blessed the people and the people gave. This cycle continued on. Unfortunately, when you get to chapter 13, there's a failure at the priest level and so the people stop giving because God stops blessing and very soon, the whole thing falls apart. And so in chapter 13, you read about Nehemiah as he's trying to restore this and bring it back. At the end of chapter 12, he's trying to keep it going. You say, what happened between chapter 12 and chapter 13? 
Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's tough. It's hard when you study ahead because then you get excited too and you know, you got there, but that's okay. There was a, a chunk of years that went by. Nehemiah had to go back to work under the king. He was gone for over a decade. And it was during this time that the people failed. As the priests failed and then the people failed and pretty soon the whole thing fell apart. So do you understand organization is not what fixes the problem? Organization, rather, is to take what God is already doing and to help as people are being faithful to God to better use the people that we would be better tools in God's service to minister more effectively and efficiently for the work of the Lord. Nehemiah is helping these people to keep up the good work. Hudson Taylor, the missionary, said it this way, when God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will not lack God's support. I'm thankful for what God has done and what God is doing. Paul, the apostle, when he wrote to the Philippian church, he said in Philippians 4.18 that their gifts to him were an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Jesus accepted Mary's gift of precious ointment as an act of worship. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16 say... By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Let's keep praising God. That's what was already happening in chapter 12 of Nehemiah. He says, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to our name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. He says, praise God with your lips and give God faithfully with what you have. Give your treasure to the Lord. Give your time to the Lord. Be faithful to give with those physical things that you have because it's all part of giving to God. Someone said it this way, it was never love that emptied a heart nor giving that emptied a purse. Isn't that interesting? As we give and as we love others, that doesn't empty us out. That fills us up. As we give in service to the Lord, that doesn't empty us out. If we're walking with God, it fills us up almost a backwards way of thinking isn't it that the more we give the more we receive i think the bible said it this way it is better to give than to receive as we are faithful to give to the lord and as these people were giving to the lord nehemiah put some organization in place to help manage those gifts and steward those gifts that they might be used well the giving was so much because the people were rejoicing in the lord that it needed good management, it needed good oversight, it needed to make sure that things got where they were. Imagine, they're giving produce, they're giving grain. That can't just sit forever, right? It's got to be managed properly and given out well so that it doesn't rot just sitting there. I think about that even now, like there's a level to the number of people you can minister to, just having stuff doesn't make the ministry work. You've got to have a way to get that to people. I remember feeling that very acutely after Hurricane Harvey. As our church at the time was about 20 to 25 people, and as we got lots of stuff donated, I thought to myself, I do not want to see this stuff go to waste. Right? I want to make sure it gets to people. Because somebody gave it as to the Lord out of a good heart, and they don't want it to just go in our dumpster. Right? They want to make sure it gets out to people. That's one of the big challenges, isn't it? If you know anything about charitable giving or charitable organizations even the large ones in our country it's a hard thing 
And you get all these gifts to make sure that they're managed well, that they're given out to people, that they're not being taken advantage of, that stuff isn't going to waste. I mean, it goes on and on and on when it comes to our giving. It's so important in a church. How many times are churches accused of mishandling funds? All the time, right? How many times are people in a church frustrated with what someone else is doing in a church because it's like, boy, they get all this stuff to do their work at the church, but no one gives me anything, and I just have to do it all myself. There's all kinds of potential problems that can come and arise as people are excited about the work of the Lord. They're giving to the work of the Lord, but then there's not a plan in place to make sure that those gifts are used effectively, efficiently for the work of the Lord. And I would ask you to pray. I would ask you to involve yourself in that process, helping us to be the church that God wants us to be, to be effective, efficient ministers with the gifts that God has given us. I'm not asking you to give more. What I'm asking you to do is to help me that we would be faithful with what God has already given us. Because I believe if we'll be faithful with what God has given us, God will supply all of our needs. He'll give us exactly what is necessary to fulfill the work that God has for us. As I was reading this passage, and I know I'm saying some things beyond this, but I think this is here in principle form. As Nehemiah organized the people to keep up the good work so that God's work would go forward for the glory of the Lord. But just as a reminder, before we can bring our gifts, our material gifts to the Lord, just as the people here in Nehemiah 12 did, we must first give ourselves to Him. Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 5. He said, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Thank you for giving yourself to the Lord. If you're not giving yourself to the Lord, give Him yourself first. He used to sing a song. What can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what can I give him? I can give him all my heart. I hope that you've given yourself to the Lord in service to him. Our gifts cannot be a substitute for ourselves. So we see great organization taking place to carry on and keep up the good work. But I think as we keep reading the last three verses here, 45 to 47, we also see then obedience being vital to carry on the work of the Lord. Notice in verse 45 it says, And both the singers and the porters kept the word of their God and the word of the purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon his son. So these were the people that were leading in worship, those who sang. Aren't you thankful for the people singing and helping to lead us in worship at our church? I am. I was standing in the back this morning singing, looking up here at all these people participating. It's a blessing to see people trying to sing and give praise to the Lord. But notice what these singers were doing. It says they kept their word, the word of their God. In other words, they were faithful to do what God commanded them to do. It says, and they kept the word of the purification. It's one thing to do God, things God's way, 
but we also must do it with the right heart. See, church is not just about organization. It's not just about going through the motions. It's not just, well, we checked all the boxes. We did everything exactly the right way. It's also doing it with the right heart, a heart of humility, a heart of service, a heart of worship to the Lord. He says in verse 46, For in the days of David and Asaph of old, Asaph was a song leader, wrote many, some of the psalms along with David. He says, There were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. And all Israel... In the days of Zerubbabel, this was a man who worked alongside of or right before Nehemiah. And in the days of Nehemiah, gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day as portion. See, the people gave faithfully every day. He says, and they sanctified holy things unto the Levites. And then the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. Here's that process taking place. The people give to the Levites. The Levites took and they gave to the priests. And then the priests gave as they worshiped the Lord and helped the people and worshiped the Lord. And that process continued on over and over again. I believe that obedience is vital to carrying on the work of the Lord. We see obedience in purity. For God's work to be done in God's way, it must be done out of a pure heart. I like what Psalm 24 verses 3 through 5 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. That's a wonderful psalm, isn't it? But it's saying, how do we come to God? We don't come to God through more organization. Organization, rather, is to help those who are already walking with God. We don't come to God just by following in this certain list of steps, even though that is important, that's part of it. We must come with clean hands and a pure heart. Too often in church, these are the things we battle against, isn't it? We want to come to God and feel like we've gotten with God just because we have a great organization. That doesn't help us get closer to God. We want to come to God because, well, we did everything in exactly the right order. We opened our Bible at the right time. We stood when we were supposed to stand. We sat when we were supposed to sit. We bowed our heads when it was time to pray. We even closed our eyes and didn't peek when it was time to pray. Oh, good for you. Give yourself a pat on the back. That's great, right? And, and we look at those things, and I'm not saying those are unimportant things. The point is this, though. If we come to God just through our ritual and our tradition, and we're not really coming with the right heart, God says there's no blessing in that. So he's not telling us to throw out all of those traditions. He's not telling us to, we just have to be different, just to be different. No, he's saying, when you come to God, make sure you come with the right heart. These singers, they came, and they took their time to make sure they were purified and ready before they came to the Lord. I would tell you, just as important as coming to church on Sunday morning and worshiping God corporately together, it's just as important that on Monday morning you're spending time in God's Word and you're making sure that your heart is right with God and you're walking with Him. They're both important. 
Too often in the Christian life, though, it's like, well, let me see the least that I can do and still have God be happy with me. Can you imagine if that's how he treated Shandy all the time? Let me see the least I can do and still, she'll still stay married to me. I washed the dishes last December. It hasn't come around again, right? I, have my, I did my quota of diaper changing for the month already. I'm done. I don't do any more. I gave you this much money, and, and you're supposed to live on that. You, all the rest of this money is mine to do with what I want. You need to get by on that. She says, what happened to what's yours is mine and all our worldly goods and all that stuff? Imagine if I lived like that. If we stayed married, it wouldn't be a very happy marriage, would it? And yet, that's how some people want to treat God. Well, God, I, I went to church once last month. Isn't that good enough for you? Don't you know I'm busy? I've got a lot of things going on. God, I... I've been really busy. I just haven't had time to read my Bible. I even make those excuses sometimes. I understand. I'm not belittling you. This is the same struggle I live with. Oh, you're the pastor. You're not supposed to have struggles like that. Well, I may be standing up on this stage, but I'm just as human as the next person. What's helped me, though, to be faithful in that area is to have it's a desire. I want to be faithful in my time with God. And so what's helped me is to put some organization around it. To set aside a time. To have a plan. Did you know I have a reading plan so that I can read my Bible? I actually have several reading plans. It's because I'm so spiritual. I do more than one at a time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's because it helps me. I enjoy reading from different portions of Scripture at different times. And so I have one plan right now where I'm reading through the Bible. I have another plan. I do this with my wife. I love this. We're doing a, we do plans together all the time so that we can be reading and discussing and talk about the same things. Sometimes our lives are so busy, it's tough to even sometimes get time to just sit down and talk with each other. So we'll do it in our phone and I'll read it and then I'll send her a little note. Here's some things that the Lord taught me today. And she'll write me back. And then at night when it's Sometimes when we're going to bed or whatever, we can sit there and say, you know, I liked what you wrote today. That was really good. That was really helpful to me. Now, maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're judging me, say, you really need to spend more time with your wife. You should be talking face to face. A lot, we spend a lot of time together, but a lot of time there's five other people staring at us too. And if you have children, you know what that's like. And we do get our one-on-one -on -one time as well, but we've tried to, we're not perfect at this, but we're trying to put some organization in place to help us in our obedience to stay faithful to God and to walk with Him and be close to each other. But having all the organization, all the reading plans and all the things in the world don't help us in our walk with God if we don't have the right heart. Because I've learned how to do that as well and you probably have too. All right, I opened my Bible. I read this many pages today. Good, got that done. All right, let's go do something else. Or hang on, I can't go do that with you. I got to do my Bible time first. All right, I read my, okay, now let's go have fun, all right? You know, and that's our attitude. It's got to come out of the right heart. We see this obedience to God as being vital 
to carrying on the work of the Lord. This obedience came out of a pure heart. And this obedience came as they were faithful to follow God's model for ministry. The work of God is not just done with good actions. It must begin with the right heart. Notice here, though, it says they did these things according to the commandment of David and of Solomon, his son. This is the wonderful thing, because sometimes we get caught up in having the right heart, and we're not even sure how to do that. Listen, God in his word tells us how to have a right heart before him. God tells us how to have the right attitudes. Sometimes we treat this spiritual life as this mystical thing that we don't really know what it is or why we're doing it or how to get there. God wrote it all down for us. These singers didn't have to guess how they were supposed to sing. They didn't have to guess what they were supposed to sing about. It had already been written down for them in God's Word. That's one thing I'm very thankful for, that we have God's Word to live off of. People talk about, well, you know, some of those preachers, they don't preach from the Bible. They say a lot of other things. And I just tell them, I'm not smart enough to do that. If I didn't have the Bible to refer to and preach from, I don't know what I would say. I'm so thankful that we have God's Word written down for us and we can be faithful in obedience to it. These people continued on in their faithful following of the Lord as they had returned to the Word of God and as they were obedient to God's model then for the ministry. Now, I realize Nehemiah chapter 12 is not talking about the local church, the local New Testament church. But I'm thankful as we read in God's Word as we go even into the New Testament, the book of Acts and other places, as we see how God has laid things out for how a church is supposed to function, how a church is supposed to run, how we're supposed to be organized, how we're supposed to preach and what we're supposed to talk about, what we're supposed to do. God's laid it all out for us in His Word. God's made it very simple for us as well. He says in Ephesians chapter 4 that it is the pastor's job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, so that's my job to equip you. That means to give you the tools, right? To give you what you need so that you can be a part of with me in doing the work of the ministry together. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? So we see some organization there, but we also see the obedience of having the right heart in doing it. Having the right goals, the right purpose. In the New Testament, we read very clearly how God has challenged us in the commission to go and to make disciples. Well, how do you do that? Well, you've got to know what God's Word says, right? How are you going to disciple anybody else to follow God's Word if you aren't following God's Word yourself? We've got to be obedient to God's Word to know what it says and then be obedient to God's Word to then go out and do what it says. In the New Testament, we see the New Testament church as it was faithful to go and to preach and to share the good news and people came to Christ and as they were taught and trained and discipled, as they grow, grew in their knowledge of the Lord and their relationship with Him, then they could go out and do the same thing with, with others. We've gone through this in our, in our uh, starting point class in Acts chapter 2 
42 to 47, how they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in prayers and in breaking of bread. As they went from house to house, as they fellowshiped together, it was very simple. Following God doesn't have to be complicated. Serving the Lord in a church doesn't have to be convoluted. It's very straightforward as we continue to be faithful to what God has said. As we worship God together, as we fellowship together, encourage one another, help one another in, the, in, in our personal relationships with God, to be the people that God wants us to be. Nehemiah, here in this passage, lays some things out for us, I think, that are very important. If we're going to continue on in the work that God has given for us. I think there's two big takeaways we have from this. For me, personally, I look at this and I say, well, as God continues to grow and bless this ministry, then I'm going to continue to look for ways that we can be organized and efficient and effective to carry out the work that God has for us. Not as the end, but as a means to an end. It's a means to the end. The end is to bring glory to God. That's why we exist. We bring glory to God as we go out to reach the lost and to make disciples. That's why we're here. But as God continues to bless, we need to be willing to say, God, how can we organize and have a plan and be efficient, be effective? We don't want gifts going to waste. We want to be wise with our finances. I don't want to just have people give to the Lord just to let it pile up in the bank account. That, that seems kind of foolish, doesn't it? Are there another, is there another mission we can get, be a part of and give to them? Is there another place that we could help to start a church? Is there another person in need in our community that we can help? How can we give to the Lord? We don't exist just to pile up things and to enrich ourselves. We exist to... Bring glory to God. So I think that's one takeaway, that we ought to be willing to say, God, how can we be effective and efficient with the gifts you give us? And the second, that we would commit ourselves to being obedient to God's commands for purity and faithfulness to His plan for our individual lives and to our church body. God, help me be obedient to you. Help me to be a pure-hearted individual. I don't want to be a person who serves somebody and someone's wondering in the back of their head, is he just doing that for me because he's trying to get something out of me? You know how that is with some people, right? You're like, I, I don't know why they're being so friendly to me right now. When is the other shoe going to drop? What are they buttering me up for? What is the... What's the fine print? What's the catch, right? That's our natural response. People even treat God that way, don't they? Folks, God's given us everything. He's given us Jesus. He's given us salvation, given us eternal life, given us hope, given us a future. We need to be obedient to Him, to serve Him out of pure, a pure heart with pure motives and to be faithful to His plan. Say, God, if, it, if you say it in your word, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to follow it. Just like as these people sang, they gave praise to the Lord. They were doing it in a specific way, following after what God had taught them. 
And it's amazing because in this context here in 46 and 47, it really gives us the idea that the praise and thanksgiving, the worship of God during this time under Nehemiah was as good as the days of David and Asaph. Have you ever heard somebody talk about the good old days? Everybody, oh boy, things were a lot better back then. I've decided, and I know this is probably a young man's statement here, but I've decided as a 36-year-old person that I am very thankful for what God did in the good old days. But I want to see God work today. I'm not content to just say, those were great stories. Tell me some more stories. I want to say, well, if we would go out and be obedient, walk in purity and holiness and serve God the way He wants us to do, that we just might see God do a great work today. God can restore families. That God can save people out of horrible places. That God can change broken, messed up people to be faithful followers of Him. That God can put churches in places where people don't think churches could go. That God could help us to reach people around the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. I want to see God do that again. And I know many of you want the same thing. Because I've heard your testimonies and I know what your desires are and I know that you're trying to serve God. Folks, would we, if I believe if we'll be obedient to these things, we can see God continue to do great things. God's not done yet. You say, well, how do you know? Because He hasn't come back yet. When He's done with His work on this world, we're going to know there's going to be this really giant trumpet that blows and you'll know it. Then it's over, okay? And that'll be a great day if you're a believer. But until that trumpet sounds, I want to be faithful with a pure heart to be obedient to follow God and trust that God just may do a great work again. And we might even get the blessing that He might even do it through us. Whether He does it through me or through you or somebody else, Paul said it this way. He said, I rejoice when the gospel is preached. It's not about selfishness. It's not about us saying, well, let's make a name for ourselves. That's always gotten people in trouble. It's about bringing glory to God. I think Nehemiah had some good things here to help the people continue on to keep up the good work. But chapter 13 is always coming. The next day is always coming in our life. Sin is still a reality. We still have a flesh. So we need to walk faithfully in obedience to our God with a pure heart. And I believe we'll see God do great things. Are you with me? Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, help us. I look around our room this morning and, and know that even the work that you've done to assemble this congregation today is a work that only you could do. So many personalities, and places, even languages, backgrounds, struggles, heartaches and scars and victories and failures represented in this room. 
Lord, we think of the children gathered to our right and to our left and think of the great potential wrapped up in those little bodies, those little souls with great energy and zest for life. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that includes them and ministers to them and helps them to grow and serve you faithfully. Lord, they'll only do it, I believe, or most be more likely to do it as we are faithful in our obedience to you. Lord, may we come to you today with pure hearts and pure hands saying, God, not our will, but thine be done. Lord, we're not here just to go through another Sunday and just fulfill another tradition. Lord, we want to serve you and follow you. Help us, Lord, as we take time now to respond to your word. I pray that you would work in hearts. That we would commit to you what should be committed. That we would ask forgiveness for those things that we've, where we failed you. That we would go from here a people focused and committed and determined to walk in obedience and faithfulness to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the piano plays, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Take some time with the Lord. After this, we're going to absorb the Lord's table together. If you need to get right with God in some area of your life, please take that opportunity to do it now. Let's be obedient to Him.